This episode of That Song From That Movie is coming up after this. So I've been asked to do some promo for these two lads, Ryan and Paul, for their podcast, Cold Callers Comedy. Quite honestly, I've never listened to it because it sounds like sh**. But what I can tell you is that my show, Artie's Artist Acts, is one of the segments, and that is an absolute peaky blinder you can't miss out on. Whoa, what the hell, Tom? You meant to promote our show, not slag it off. I couldn't care less, mate. Well, you should. You're on the podcast. Yeah, how about a little gratitude? Bane, show them how grateful we are. Your precious podcast. Gratefully accepted. Um, we're not giving it to you. Admirable. What a mistake. So yeah, listen to my show Cold Callers Comedy on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon and all the other podcast platforms The podcast rises Come here It's a remake of a remake which itself is also a remake of a movie from the 1930s Are you following me? Worry not, we'll help you understand in today's that song from that movie. Ready to rock? Nope. <laughs> Ready to roll. Ah, uh, oh, makes sense. There you go. Thank you for joining that song from that movie, the journey through the very best and worst of movie songs. I am your... This movie is completely unquotable, so here are some intros inspired by other Bradley Cooper-related movies. Host Dietrich. And today we're joined by a man who sees every scenario, and that puts him 50 moves ahead of you, Alex. What, Brett? Is that, is that limitless? It is limitless, yes. Ooh, wow, good. Look at me. Check me out. I've seen films. Um, I feel like we're already alluding to Dee's opinion of this film. And we're also joined by the man who keeps forgetting about that goddamn tiger, Ben. Hangover? Also correct. Mm-hmm. Do either of those two films have a good song on them? Oh, Mike, well, hang on, Mike, Tyson, Lewis, Mike Tyson sings the Phil Collins song. In the Air of the Night? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. but Ed Helms has a song, though, doesn't he, about the tiger as well? Oh, yes, he does, yeah. It's been a long Can't time since I've watched yeah, it. Right. It's a long, 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 long time. No idea if that if if it's kind of still in date. I reckon it's one of those films that you just never watch again and then just remember it vaguely. Same with Limitless. <laughs> what have we been watching this week? Um, I have been watching, I watched a film called D- The Dig. It's been a hot topic in the Suffolk household for which I am currently residing in. Yes, because Sutton Hoo is, is in Suffolk, isn't it? It is. I enjoyed the film. I don't know what you thought about it, Ben, but I quite liked it. Yeah, I mean, I, I watched it the other night. Yeah, I thought it was decent. I mean, I kind of expected, you know, like a sort of three, three and a half star, you know? <laughs> so yeah, can't be disappointed. It was. I, th- I think it was. It was like it was a very quiet, understated film. Very, yes. very British. Of course. Yes, yeah. it's a very potato peel pie society film. Yes, yeah. Everybody's repressed, and everything is left unsaid. <laughs> <laughs> the true British way. Yeah. Recommend. <laughs> Andy Lau, seven out of ten. <laughs> In equal British terms, I watched the probably ninth or tenth remake of Emma that came out last year, the uh, one with yes, Anya yeah. Taylor Joy. Oh yes. Any good? Yes. Oh, I think once you've seen Clueless, there's never going to be an Emma adaptation that reaches that level. Yeah. So it was fine, but it it's not got enough Paul Rudd in it. Yeah, which you could say about a lot of films. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah, especially this one today. <laughs> <laughs> Slap in the face. Well, I've also been watching British TV this week. 
I've been enjoying the return of Death in Paradise on BBC. Oh. <laughs> who, who is it at the moment? Is it Ralph Little still? It's still Ralph Little, yeah. I have no clue what that is. You've got to watch it, Ben. Mm, don't know, your reactions didn't sell it to me. It is actually one of the most popular TV shows in the country, is it not? I think like, well, viewership-wise, it gets there, yeah. like millions of viewers each week. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to judge what I watch based on that. It's sort of a crime of the week show where bumbling British inspector figures it out and it's all yeah. set in like a fake St. Lucia. Okay, so like a, like a Midsummer Murder sort of thing? Yeah. Yeah, yeah but uh, more exotic. So today's episode is Shallow from the most recent version of A Star Is Born. So to find out what was happening in the world when the movie came out, over to you, Alex. Yeah, so the month was um, October in the year 2018, if you can cast your minds back that far. What a different world that was. Yeah, it was a full year before anyone had heard of Wuhan or coronavirus. <laughs> if someone said AstraZeneca, you'd probably think they were talking about a retro sports brand like Deodora. Um, <laughs> the news itself was focused on what also feels quite retro. Brexit. Oh, gosh. <laughs> In, from from the frying pan into the fire, as they say. So there was a march through central London demanding a vote for a second referendum. The organisers reported a turnout of 700,000, but official estimates were a much lower 250,000. But I've got a few of the signs which uh, I enjoyed that were uh, in photos from the march. So yes. um, I, I'm 16, Brexit stole my future. Bollocks to break shit. <laughs> nice. <laughs> like that one. You found my sign. Yeah, this this one's quite good. What a load of brexcrement. <laughs> he was proud. That was a big sign. That's a that's a <laughs> wide sign there. That's a rectangular sign. My absolute favourite. It's, it's, it's a bit, you know, it's understated. Why the lies, Boris? Hmm. Did he respond? <laughs> no. Still waiting. Um, in other news, Pepper becomes the first robot to appear at a UK parliamentary meeting talking to MPs about future, about the future of artificial intelligence in education. Presumably right before he asked Boris, why all the lies? <laughs> <laughs> you have no authority here, Boris Johnson. Oh, there we go. Someone had to do it, didn't they? I'm the vice chair. I take charge. <laughs> Read the standing orders. Read them and understand them. It's one of the best. One of the best things I've seen in a while. <laughs> Flag wavers were out across the nation for a royal wedding. Or perhaps not, because it was the royal wedding of Princess Eugenie and Jack Brooksbank which took place at St. George's Chapel at Windsor Castle. <laughs> Eugenie and Beatrice were the, the cusp of what I recognise as royalty. <laughs> because I'm pretty sure when I was at university, one of them was at Newcastle, and it was a big talk that they might be living in halls like a, a regular schmuck. Sure, of course they were. You'd have had yeah, to have bowed yeah. every time they sort of opened the door. Um, I put, But the main question is, do you think they had their wedding reception at Pizza Express? <laughs> <laughs> There's nowhere more unforgettable, so... (laughs) (laughs) Very, very good. Very good. (laughs) It was all contrived. It was all contrived. Just to get that in there. Yes. So, and lastly, in in movie news, the 76th version... No, sorry, 77th version of Star is Born was released in cinemas. (laughs) 77th. (laughs) It does feel that way. Dietrich likes all of them. Fourth. It's actually the fourth iteration. Or is it the fifth? We'll come on to that later on. So, directed by Bradley Cooper, who also co-wrote, along with Eric Roth and Will Fetters, of Sarah's Bourne follows a hard-drinking musician, played by Bradley Cooper, who discovers and falls in love with a young singer, played by Lady Gaga. It was a critical and commercial success machine, 
(laughs) grossing over $436 million worldwide from a relatively modest budget, by today's standards, of $36 million. It received buckets of praise for Cooper, Gaga, and Sam Elliott's performances, as well as Cooper's direction, the screenplay, cinematography, and music, etc., etc. So, Dietrich, why didn't you like it? (laughs) Straight in there. I thought it was very average. (laughs) A very 5 out of 10 movie. Not terrible. Not particularly remarkable. I couldn't watch it all in one go. Oh my god! <laughs> well, go on, let's go. Let's go. Let's let's go. Let's go deeper down this rabbit hole. What is it specifically? Because I'm not saying I'm not saying you have to like this film at all, but I'm just curious. As in what I liked? Well, b- both. It's like specifics. Okay, I liked Sam Elliott. I thought he was <laughs> good in every single scene he was in, especially the way he swears. Playing a Sam Elliott type. <laughs> Yeah, playing Sam Elliott, yeah. Yep. A voice that could melt butter. I thought all the like the big singing performances, like on the stages, were good. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I did not buy the relationship for a second. Oh. I thought that Lady Gaga's character was completely unlikable. I don't understand <laughs> why anyone would be rooting for her. She's that idiot at work that always turns up late. Like, I didn't make her relatable. But she is best friends with the guy from Hamilton. D, if you didn't enjoy the chemistry in this version, my god, never, never go near the other versions. Just for the Well, there was no chemistry. Whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> there was absolutely no chemistry on screen in this movie. No. Oh, I, I, I actually strongly disagree with that. Mm. But maybe it's because... Except, except between Sam Elliott and Bradley Cooper. <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's a lot there. When Oh, I'm sorry. Spoilers. But when Sam Elliott drives away, when he's got tears in his eyes, I mean, I felt it. That would hit me. It hit me. Because Sam Elliott's fantastic in this film. He's good. As is Dave Chappelle for some reason. <laughs> yeah, I forgot Dave Chappelle's in this. Ben, I want to um, give your opinion? Yeah, I mean, I, I I watched this again last week. So the first time at the cinema. I enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it in the cinema. Not so much re-watching it. I think I'd also re-watched the other three Star is Born films since seeing this one for the first time. And I think the Judy Garland one is the best by quite a way and I don't know watching those makes me think less credit should go to the newer one because it's just so samey in so many different ways but I quite like the relationship I I like that they extended the backstory of Bradley Cooper's role because I think in all the other three versions it more or less doesn't exist it's just kind of like a mirror for the female characters kind of just sort of shine off of and yeah I kind of enjoyed it like D I think this you know, music element is better. I always think Oscars kind of seem to get enamoured by any film that involves music to the point where, you know, it's an acting award. They're singing mostly. <laughs> it, I think they get sort of a bit sort of tinted eyes with films like this. But yeah, I liked it. Not as much the second time round. Yeah. So like I watched, <laughs> so, so me and my wife watched all four versions back to back in one weekend. Oh my days. And Actually, when you watch them all back to back, the final one, in my opinion, is probably the second best one. I think after this, which, this, I, I mean, when I originally watched them, I actually thought the first one was the best one. The reason that I didn't see the Judy Garland one is because it's about five hours long. Yeah, and well, it, yeah. there's a musical number in the middle that literally goes on for all of eternity, <laughs> and it, it's, it's a struggle to get to the end of that one. Uh, so D never touched that one. 
<laughs> I'm in no rush. I, I actually think that there is chemistry in this one. I actually did buy the relationship, so I was surprised that you say that, dude, because I think, out, but maybe it's because I'd seen the other ones where they're literally non-existent. I mean, you just do not understand why on earth these two people are getting married where I felt in this one, at least it sort of made sense. But the part I really wanted, because I did enjoy this film, but I have the same issue with this film that I had with all of the versions of this film, and that is the ending. So I don't know if we want to drop a spoiler alert in there, but I want to know what you guys think about spoiler alert. the, uh, like the sort of last fifth quarter of the film from his suicide onwards. <laughs> there we there go. go, spoiled. It, 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 what you're getting at in particular, I feel like there's a, there's a question being asked without being asked. So I, I just think that the, the, the suicide part of it just really does not work at okay. all in any of the versions. Oh, really? I didn't even realise that Bradley Cooper had committed suicide in this film. Yeah. I just think it sticks out horribly. And mm. I think every time you watch any of the versions, it never feels like it's coming. So it's surprising, but it's not surprising in a way that feels earned at all, in my opinion. I don't know what you guys think. I think this is the only one where it does. I think the Chris Christopherson and Barbara Streisand one, I don't <laughs> the think it's clear. Well, by far, by, by, <laughs> by far. far. By far, when he's got the when he's riding the motorbike on stage, it's one of the most like slap-handed yeah. scenes. Gosh, but I don't think it's very clear whether he's committing suicide or whether he's just drunk yeah, and it's, it's a character. It's not quite as clear in that one. Yeah, the first two again spoilers. It's going out into the ocean. Yeah, which we'll go on to in a bit. I think because the the fourth one is the only one, in my opinion, that really goes into the backstory of the male character. In the first two films, they're not likable at all, <laughs> like at all. Um, I feel this is the only one where you, you get an idea of, of his formulation of the difficulty that he has. You know, he's losing his um, his hearing, which is kind of the only connection to any kind of talent or ability he has, the ability to sing and perform and be liked. And I guess he his view of self is very much the view of others kind of reflected back. And I guess the idea of losing that and the potential that he this person he loves, he's bringing down to his continuously falling level. I can see how he would eventually get to that point. However much it might be alcohol or drug fueled in the moment, it's still suicide through misadventure or suicide through a difficult, you know, period. Whereas the others, it just seems to be very much <laughs> this angry, boozy man doesn't like the fact that a woman is doing better than him. Yeah, I like, and I, I do agree with you. I think the problem, his suicide feels like a sacrifice. And that yeah, kind of ruins the, the the trajectory of the film, mm-hmm. because essentially by sacrificing himself, he diminishes any of the talent that Ali has, because all future successes that she has are now in debt to her husband, because he's killed himself so that she can succeed, and that then ruins the entire concept of the film for me. Okay, and yeah, like I can it's reinforcing that. that last. You know, in the last scene, I think it's the same in every single film. The actress or the female vocalist, yes. whichever industry, takes his surname at the end. And like because it's a romantic relationship, I feel like the suicide is no longer about self destruction or like a fall from fame, but it's something a bit more like glorified, like no longer tragic. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of the film is sort of supposed to be a commentary on like sort of destructive nature of fame and stuff like that. Yes, because it's no longer tragic, it no longer has that. It no longer has any impact for me. But I do see what you're saying in this one. I think because they go, they do invest a lot of time in him. The suicide doesn't feel as shocking, and plus it was the fourth version of the film I'd seen, so I knew it was coming. <laughs> yeah, obviously, yes, yes, yes. I like. I mean, do you disagree? But I think because the relationship is built more in this one than the other two between the two of them, the actual problem with the 
story of the film, as I see it, is worse than this one. In the other ones, they are a bit distant, whereas in this one, because they are so close, and you are so close, like it's quite an intimate story in this one. Yes, very much so. That's why the suicide makes even less sense to me. It's a bit out of the blue. It's the only one where I've, I felt any kind of emotional, potential emotional connection. And I quite like the part, especially the part where her singing that final performance has the sort of last verse of him playing at the piano. I quite like that. Again, I feel like it's because this seems more of a duet film, whereas the others, I think it is very much the, it is the female, you know, it is their, her story and there's this bloke that kind of just propped her up at the start and then gets very bitter that they they're doing better than them whereas this just seems to be sort of two intertwined stories of yes one continuously rising and one continuously falling but again like i think the 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 perfection or lack of feeling of any perfection in it whether that's kind of propping up her narrative on his sacrifice or whatever it is i don't know the fact that it doesn't feel perfect feels more real to me um, whereas the others does feel very much like, oh, she's not going to succeed unless he commits suicide. Mm. Once it kind of hits that point, you know, where it's all the nice, like the, in these classics sort of romance films, once the nice parts are done and then the bad things start happening, basically when she starts becoming a bit more like Lady Gaga in real life, or at least the original sort of um, constantly remodeling herself every week, Lady Gaga that we got to know at the start, that's where I, I lose my interest in the film because <laughs> I just know it's going through the rigmarole of okay, you know, here we go, yada yada, seen this three times already. Yeah. I think it would have been braver for me if they'd have made the decision with this one not to kill him, because I feel like they could have separated them. But I do I do think that that suicide, for me, just fundamentally destroys the film every single time I watch it. But I, 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 I do I don't, <laughs> I don't know how you end his narrative without it being sad. In a sad, not in a sort of like, it's a love story and it ends as a love story. Yeah, without making him just be this despot, you know, drunk who be- who's becoming deaf and has and that's it, and she basically becomes his carer. <laughs> well, I can I can tell you how to do it, Ben, because it has already been done once, and Ooh. that is the setup that I gave at the beginning for um, the fifth version of A Tomorrow's Born. So I'll just get into a bit of the inspiration behind the original story because this kind of is what I'm, it also keys into what I'm touching on. So there was a film in 1932, which was five years before the first. Star is Born called What Price Hollywood, um, and it was a bit of a source of inspiration for the original Star is Born. It was directed by the person who would eventually direct the um, second Star is Born and was approached to direct the first one, but refused. And basically, it's a very similar story, but the two lead characters are not romantically involved. So you have a sort of older, you know, currently successful actor who picks up a ingenue and she then overtakes him in fame. And he subsequently goes on down the rails and kills himself. But because there's not a romance involved, I think the story works better because it no longer becomes about sacrifice. It becomes like one person's downward trajectory, like you said, Ben, and one person's upwards. So like a star dies (laughs) for a star to be born. And I think that's a much better commentary on Hollywood than, than this. And I think it is down to that romantic connection. And actually the romantic connection comes in because in the 1937 film A Star is Born, the first one, they kind of merged two um, actual things that were happening in Hollywood at the time. So there was a story about someone called Barbara Stanwyck and Frank Fay, who essentially were that story of what price Hollywood, where two mm-hmm. people met on Broadway. He was famous. She was like an ingenue. They got together. Then she sort of outshone him. And then he sort of fell away into drink and ex- 
you know, excess, etc. But then they combined it with the story of another person called John Bowers, who was a, quite a big star at the time, I think, and he, he started to lose roles and he eventually committed suicide by drowning in the sea. So he went for a swims, which is how the two characters die in the first two versions of the film. So they kind of combined those two ideas about Hollywood. One, that there's this sort of young star who replaces the old one and where your fame declines to death, essentially. And they, they try to combine them. And I think that that's maybe why it doesn't work because it's two separate stories that they've connected mm-hmm. together through a romantic relationship. But yeah. that's the problem with it. I think they are all good films, or watchable, certainly. But every time it gets to that point, whoa, I was whoa, like... Whoa, yeah. whoa, 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 <laughs> whoa. Except for Chris Chris Christopher when he's shocking. So the other thing I want to talk about about the film before we move on to the song is, Ben, you've said you've seen the other versions. D, I'm guessing you've seen none of the other versions. Correct. Why do you think there are so many versions? Um, well, I don't know. My mother loves the first three like passionately, so I'm assuming it <laughs> obviously doesn't matter how much you repeat this story. Maybe it's timeless. Is it public domain? Is is that like sort of a really is that is that the actual answer that it's like Robin Hood or something like this? <laughs> I don't I don't know. I think we there's infatuation with stardom. I think we love a sort of a rising um, zero to hero story. And as much as like I think I kind of agree with you, the sort of if the stories were separately entwined, I personally would find it a better film. But the romantic element appeals to a lot of people, and also from the first film, it shines a better light on the female character. It's almost that self-sacrifice; they are willing to sacrifice everything they've ever wanted, as contrived as it is for a male. <laughs> it, it's what everyone hopes that a celebrity, a star, actually is, when they're probably not. I'm going to come in from a more cynical approach. Is it men with long hair? <laughs> no, it's vanity, Ben. It's just ego. Vanity. So Judy Garland used the nineteen fifty four version to relaunch her career. Bob Streisand used the nineteen seventy six version to boost her status within Hollywood. Got a second Oscar. Oh fuck! God, how she how she's got to? <laughs> the Bradley Cooper was on an Oscar hunt with this film. That that's my interpretation of it, and I, I think that this story is always done well at the Oscars. It's all I, I checked through, and every single version has been nominated for at least three or four Oscars. Mm-hmm. And I think three, three, three of the versions have won at least one. The only one that didn't, Ben? The latest one? No. The only one that didn't was actually the Judy Garland version. Oh, really? Even the bright Barbara Streisand version won an Oscar. <laughs> <laughs> That's mad. That is mad. I mean, I, know, I also know a lot of um, <laughs> women, mostly my mother and her friends, who swooned several times at Bradley Cooper in this film. And his voice like, there's only one reason you like real well. It sounds like he's on the set of talent. <laughs> well, yeah, it's not. Yeah. I think I had better a chance understanding people in Tenant than uh, Bradley Cooper in this. You can also almost see your own reflection on his leathered skin. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and he looks like, I mean, he doesn't wash his hair in the, most of the film. There's one point where he does wet it and it looks exactly the same when he gets out. <laughs> She's shampoo, Bradley. This one is for our US listeners. Today's episode is presented by Clark's. Clark's story began almost 200 years ago when Cyrus and James Clark made a slipper from sheepskin. At the time, it was groundbreaking, a combination of invention and craftsmanship that remained at the heart of what Clarks does. From the very beginning, Clarks has always fought differently. Brilliant ideas are what set Clarks apart. 
We're teaming up with Clarks and Podgo to bring you 30% off select items, including the iconic Clarks Desert Boot by going to podgo.co forward slash Clarks. That's podgo.co forward slash Clarks. So, let's talk about the song, shall we? (laughs) (laughs) What do we think? So, the song is uh, Shallow. Um, It's performed by Lady Gaga and Brad. Bradley Cooper. I was going to say Brad Pitt and then Bradley Cooper. <laughs> uh, a bit odd from it. Uh, what do we think? Did we go Gaga for Gaga or did we think Coops was Poops? <laughs> How long did it take you to come up with that? <laughs> you know what? I thought I had originally, did we go Gaga for Gaga and just nothing. And then I thought Coops rhymes with Poops. <laughs> oh, my. Coops, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I thought the performance of Cooper was super. Oh. Now it's your turn, Ben. Uh, yeah. n- n- no. Are you going to go with Lady Gaga's performance? Gaga was Kaka. <laughs> oh, damn. I mean, it would have been wrong, but what do we think? Do we like the song? Do we like the song? Yeah, it's a good song. It's uh, probably one of the better bits of the entire film. <laughs> much like the movie, it's so sort of middle of the road. There's not really much to actually say about it. <laughs> not much to say about it. Um, there we go. Ben, can you do any better? Can you say more about it? Yeah, I can do if you want me to. I really liked it, especially when it came out. Uh, I remember, you know, if it was on the radio, I quite liked to listen to it. Um, yeah, I, you know, Bradley Cooper, for an actor, his voice isn't that bad. It kind of fits what it's supposed to do in the film. Obviously, if you kind of pick it apart, you can tell he's not a trained singer. But I don't know, it works. I like that scene. It's probably the best scene in the film. No, I don't know. I think I, I almost find it the equivalent of, like, Chris Evans in Captain America where he comes out of the, you know, whatever, the transformation pod, and everyone's like, wow, this super soldier. And it, Chris Evans, is, it's just Chris Evans. <laughs> and so he has his all sort of like, you know, oh, he's had this super serum, he's now incredibly musty. It's just Chris Evans. <laughs> so Chris Evans is just like, yeah, everyone's thinking I'm amazing doing this. I feel like the same with Lady Gaga. It's like, you know, we're all like, oh my God, her, she's she's risen, this voice. It's just Lady Gaga just singing normally. Yeah. yeah. Do you think that's part of the problem, maybe? No. Part of the problem the film is that that you that we already know that Lady Gaga is you know a very famous singer already. Like I suppose it it works fine with Judy Garland, but you're not surprised. You're not surprised when she belts out that note. Uh, no, it doesn't even look like she's struggling <laughs> at all for no. this song that um they kind of just came up very quickly in the car park. That was something that was annoyed me about it. Did she just came up with it in the car park? I, I assume off screen she came up with the rest of the lyrics. Bradley Cooper says. What was that where his character name was? Jackson Maine. As in, like, Jackson Maine character. <laughs> I think the Maine actually comes from uh, the character. Who, I think the character's called Maine in the first film, so Maine. Oh, right, okay. Right, fair enough. Anyway, he says, oh, I've come up with a composition. So how would she know when to sing in the song? Because she doesn't know when it's going to start. She just feels it. But anyway. They've got great chemistry. Wizard. <laughs> Not on screen. <laughs> the, the other thing is... For a lot of the performances, you do sort of feel like it's Lady Gaga going, this is how I would normally perform. Oh, I need to remember that I'm a little bit nervous. In, <laughs> I'm supposed to be acting nervous in this scene. I'm now back to, oh, nope, I've forgotten again. I need to be nervous still. Uh, yeah, I mean, even when, flitting between it. <laughs> even when she's acting, I guess, as a, we're supposed to come in a wood, she just punches everyone. <laughs> she really <laughs> likes to punch people. Yeah, I, it's, I think it's a problem with these kind of things in general. But I, like I said, I think the song's good. I think the song is is so sober. I think it's elevated by the Lady Gaga's voice. <laughs> yeah, she's got a very good voice. I think I feel like if if it didn't kick in with that sort of like uh, 
keep your chord change, you know, into the chorus would be not a good song. But that really does lift it up there. But she's a she's a very very talented songwriter, um, and I guess what I think she was a songwriter before she kind of made it in herself, and I think a lot of her layers of, yeah, I don't know, meat dress and all comes from the sort of that potential insecurity or just making self someone because I think she was told, and I guess that is a sort of match up to her character that she wasn't you know typically attractive to make it. I never really you know as much as we were surrounded by her music at that age, you know, poker face. <laughs> um, Bad Romance and so on. More recent stuff, I don't know, I quite like. her. I think was it the 2015 at the Oscars she performed The Sound of Music in the original Julie Andrews Key? Which, I mean, if you have time, go and listen to it on YouTube because it doesn't sound like her. And I, I remember reading that she practiced so much to hit this note. And yeah, it doesn't really sound like her, but she does it so well. And I got quite a lot of admiration for that. And obviously writing the songs for this film She's clearly got a, a lot of talent, and you know, as much you can say that's kind of like as we are like phony because of the in the sense of the film. You know, yes, she's an incredibly talented multi Grammy award, platinum selling artist, but you still got to appreciate that she writes very good songs. But did she write this song, Ben? Did she write? I don't the know. Song? Did she? Did she? She was a co-writer. Well, yeah, she did. I saw it in the film. Ali wrote it. Yeah, she's a co-writer. <laughs> I'm assuming so. She won the she won an Oscar, didn't she? Well, the song did win an Oscar, which we will come to. So it was written by Gaga, but with multiple other people. So Andrew Wyatt, Anthony Rossomando, and Mark Ronson. Boo hiss. Mark Ronson wrote one of her albums, didn't he? With her, is it France? Yeah, he did. Yeah, it was the album just before this one. Yeah. yeah, so that's why they were sort of working together. And I think I think if I remember right, that album was like a bit more stripped back anyway, and it was like slightly country. I don't know whether she knew this role was coming up and she was like prepping for it. Maybe I'm a little bit country. (laughs) (laughs) So lyrically, the song is a conversation between the two lead characters discussing how they can get out of the shallow space of their relationship and into a deeper connection. However, it also initially had a darker double meaning, foreshadowing the death by drowning that was in the original script. So as with the first two films, the lead male character was supposed to drown which is part of the reason why it's called Shower. Never thought of that. <laughs> no, I didn't either until I read it earlier. Yeah, I think no. actually like, that makes, it makes more sense and then I'm confused <laughs> yeah. as to why they didn't stick with it. <laughs> like, what difference does I that I don't know, make? would it be a tad on the nose? Well, maybe, but I think it would have yeah, would have been more dramatic irony involved. Anyway. Commercially, the song topped the charts in more than 20 countries and reached the top 10 elsewhere. It received numerous accolades, including the Academy Award for Best Original Song, the Golden Globe Award for Best Original Song, the BAFTA Award for Best Film Music, and the Critics' Choice Movie Award for Best Song, D. It garnered four Grammy Award nominations, including Record Best of the Rap Year, Performance. Song of the Year. Well, no, we'll get on to it. So it won two Grammys for Best Pop Duo Group Performance. <laughs> and best song written for visual media. <laughs> what is that, Grammy? What is Does that, that include like adverts and stuff? <laughs> I suppose it must. It is the thirtieth most streamed song on Spotify ever, and has over one billion YouTube views. Yeah, when I was watching this on YouTube, it was the first time I've ever seen the the one B views next to a song, and yeah. I was uh, I was shocked. <laughs> So as mentioned, Shallow won the Oscar for Best Original Song, as did the song that was in the uh, Papa Streisand version. So it's the second song from Tessaraborn to win Best Original Song. Uh, but let's talk about that Oscar ceremony performance, Ben. I know yes. this was uh, 
<laughs> big, big on your agenda and Dave couldn't have watched this all. So magnetic on stage, on stage chemistry between the two. Uh, yeah, at the Oscars, yeah. So you agree that they have a lot of chemistry here, but not in the film. Absolutely. So I think this Oscar performance is seconds before they're about to rip each other's clothes off. <laughs> you could practically christen the baby. <laughs> yeah. It reminds me of that bit in Friends where Joey says that if two actors are doing it off stage, then there's no chemistry on stage. It's when it's the other way around you need to <laughs> yeah, worry. Yes. So he calls this performance, oh boy, it is palpable. <laughs> it was, yes. And probably led to the man's divorce. It's, it's uncomfortable to watch in a lot of ways. You sort of forget that there's an entire audience <laughs> behind them. Because of the, the intense stare between the two of them. And like when he goes and sits... Is it him that goes and sits on the, on the seat? Yeah, yeah I mean, that's it, right, it, yeah. It really didn't need to be that, <laughs> that sort of intense. <laughs> you almost expected that, you know, like like you would expect in like a friend sitcom when they look at each other and there's almost that sudden realisation that, oh crap, we're, we're on the stage. <laughs> because they're so into it. Singer-songwriter Stephen Ronson. I don't know if he's a relative of <laughs> Mark Ronson. <laughs> But if he is, it's quite funny. Why the rest of the story is quite funny. So he claimed that the hook of "Shallow" is based on the same three-note progression sequence of G A B from his track "Almost" in brackets 2012. He's asking for a settlement worth millions of dollars. So someone is suing Lady Gaga because he believes that she has stolen the chord progression of G A B. How how could you possibly claim that a single three chord progression is like specific to your song? God. There's only so many combinations you can have with three notes. Yeah, surely. Yeah, there's only eight, there's literally only eight notes <laughs> in, 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 in so it. I honestly don't understand this. Well, I hope he is relative to Mark Ronson. <laughs> Mark Ronson wrote the song with him, and then she's getting sued by his brother. The biggest sibling rivalry since the gigs is. <laughs> <laughs> For me. In the last few years, this is one of the only movie songs that's had like a real impact beyond the film. And I think like we've, I think maybe we've discussed this before, but it feels like tie-in songs are just not as big as they were in sort of the eighties, nineties, and early nineties. But I feel like this one just like really did permeate permeate through. Well, it does help that it's sort of a music movie, yeah. and it's not musical, but because it's a music movie, it already has that conceit that allows it to have a tie-in song. Hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah, it could be that. It could just be that. Yeah. Was the Streisand one also the same in which you can almost pretend that it's not a musical because all the songs are performed on stage or her yeah. singing to a mic? Yeah, it was the same. In fact, are they all like that, actually? Because I know Judy Garland sings is a, is a full-blown, you know, all-singing-all-dancing musical. So the, fir- the first one just does us no songs then, obviously. I don't think that the Judy Garland one is like a musical in a, in a traditional no, no, sense. No, I think it is like this where, where they, the songs yes. are woven into the fabric of the actual film. But again, I think it also falls into that. I mean, the executives must have been just rubbing their hands. If you can have a film nowadays that also has a best-selling album that can go with it, because they just stay in the charts for so long now because people don't really buy album. Yeah. They just don't. They, you know, it is all singles. Like The Great Showman was just in the charts for, what, like a year? <laughs> it could still be now. Yeah, to be honest, it probably is still in the top ten now, and I'm pretty sure Star is Born was quite close behind. It was, yeah. The album was, in, was at the top of the charts for quite a while. Like you say with Vanity Alex, I mean, a lot of producers just see it as an easy win as well for in, on so many different levels. Yeah, well, Warner Brothers have been trying to get a remake of The Star is Born for like 10 years at this point. They'd originally, I think they'd originally built it around Beyonce, actually, but they never got greenlit. So I think that's it. I think they knew it was a moneymaker. And then it proved to be it made $400 million off of mm-hmm. its budget. 
it's not like something Marvel territory where you know it's going to cost hundreds of millions to mm-hmm. make in the first yeah. place. This is like a guaranteed success, like thirty million to make. You know you're going to get all those album sales on the back of it. You know you've got bankable stars. You know it's a story that's worked three times before, <laughs> yeah. both critically yeah. and commercially. It's literally a no-brainer. So it wouldn't surprise mm, me if eventually you see... It, it, this, this film was, was critically this one was, acclaimed. Yes, and I will go over it again. Not the Chris Christopherson one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it was nominated for five, four Oscars. And I, I honestly <laughs> no, don't know how. And uh, yeah, I am looking forward to the 2029 version with Billie Eilish. <laughs> uh, do you want to do your top five? <laughs> okay, so I'm staying serious with the top fives now. I put in a lot of effort into these, and by a lot of effort, I mean quick Google. So, very refutable website has done a list of every pre Lady Gaga Oscar nominated acting performance by musician, but they've ranked them. So, what is the best Oscar nominated acting performances by a musician? So, there's 25 in total, apparently. That are how you know singers who have had acting roles and been nominated, whether that's supporting actress, actor, or you know best actor, actress. Does Will Smith count? Will Smith is number five in the list. He was nominated for Ali. Yeah, Mark Wahlberg. Mark Wahlberg and Departed. Mark Wahlberg, yeah. I forgot, was a. Uh, he is not in this list, but is, does that's he count as does he count as an actual? Just because he had that one rap song. Yes, is the answer to that question. Clearly, wasn't top five. Um, the other one that's coming to mind is Eminem. Was he nominated for Eight Mile? No, I don't think he was. If he was, he's not in this list. Whitney Houston. I don't know if she was nominated for anything. No, it doesn't look like she was. Beyonce. She must be nominated Potentially for Potentially for Dreamgirls. Yeah. I thought it was just... Um... I almost said Showgirls there. That's a completely different film. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, what about the, the other person from Jennifer Hudson? Not top five. She won, an, she won an Oscar. She literally won one. Yes, yes. Not top five. <laughs> According to this list. What is this list? It's Chris Christopherson. <laughs> <laughs> it was not nominated. So singers that then became Goliath. God. What? Okay. Prince. Think a connection to these films we are talking about. Judy Garland. Lady Gaga. No, no, the other one. <laughs> Barbara Streisand. Barbara there you go. For what film? Lentil. No, it's not Lentil. Lentil. Yentil. 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 Lentils. Uh, no, she won. <laughs> she's number one on this list for Funny Girl, which is a, de- is a decent film. I'm struggling just to think of musicians turned actors that aren't like Justin Timberlake. Yeah, so <laughs> <laughs> Justin Timberlake number two for his performance for Shrek three. Okay, number two is a sort of a big band singer, Frank Sinatra. There you go. Okay. Any idea what the film was? He won Guys best supporting Dolls. actor. He won best supporting actor. Guys, uh, Dolls. was it the original Ocean's Eleven? <laughs> A film in which has a very raunchy sort of beach scene in which they had to keep making... Is it, is it Rock Hudson? I forget. They had to keep making his pants bigger because they kept riding up on him and it was breaking the senses. God, don't It was oh, from yeah. here to eternity. Yeah, okay. Oh, okay. Four, you're never gonna get. Three. Oh, wait, was that a clue? Was it Rick Astley? <laughs> it's not. No, it's not. That, wasn't, that would have been a good clue, but no. Why are we never gonna get it? Why are you never gonna get four? I mean, is very it, famous it... singer, not a very famous film. The film is Lady Sings the Blues. Does that help? No, is it a woman? Yes. Very is it quite huge, enough? huge singer, massive singer. You know, sort of Cher. big, big Cher. sort of. No, but no, number three. Oh, was it Cher in number three? Yes. Moonstruck. Yes, exactly. Which is a good <laughs> film. It is a very good film. And then number four, big singer uh, in like Soul, Motown. Aretha Franklin. Was in a three girl group, I think. Oh, Diana Ross. There you go. For Lady Sings the Blues. God, this is honestly, this takes years off my life, these top fives. That was hard, though. <laughs> that was that was a difficult one. 
Okay, well, just I think I came up with a lot of good answers that didn't that weren't in the list. Good answer, yeah. Okay, well, you keep you follow that narrative, Alex. <laughs> uh, so now it's time for the ultimate question of movie or song. So this week it is A Star Is Born versus Shallow. Um, I'll go first this week and say the song because it's better than most of the film, and I don't have to commit to two hours. Alex, I'm I'm also going to say song because there are three other versions of this film, two of which are probably better. One is worse, but that's beside the point. <laughs> so I feel like we didn't need, we just did not need a fourth version, and no one will ever convince me otherwise. Ben? More or less the exact same reasoning. It is a very good song. There's definitely two better, like Alex says. There's one absolute tripe and garbage. And, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it makes me laugh just thinking about that film. But, yeah, I really like the song. <laughs> it just made me think of the weird, like, sand house that they have in oh, that Barbara Honestly, honestly. <laughs> like, if, if people have never seen it, just watch the scene where he's performing and then he just takes a motorbike from some guy and crashes it off the stage. <laughs> the sound editing over the top of it is shocking. So that brings an end to another episode of that song from that movie. So let us know which one you think is better, the movie or the song, on our Twitter account, TSFTMPod. You can help out the podcast in many ways. You can help us on Reddit by sharing this on a random subreddit. Alex, what subreddit should they pick this week? I think it's um, it's got to be the Chris Christopherson Reddit, just because it's such a great name to say. Christopherson. It is very good. Yeah, it is. You can also <laughs> help the podcast uh, via Patreon. It starts from £1 a month at $1.50, and you could have a chance of being on the podcast in the future. That's patreon.com forward slash TSFTM. We also have a merch store links on our twitter but really what we want is your five star reviews isn't that right ben oh yes 100 percent. i'll get around to it <laughs> so what's left now is to do some goodbyes so it's goodbye from myself goodbye and goodbye from alex you know that i want you because i'm a freak bitch baby yes and goodbye from ben i feel like i'm kind of lazy but i keep the yard looking good chris christopherson <laughs> so goodbye everybody bye Just because you're a rocker doesn't mean you can't have some head and shoulders.